I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Tuesday, January 21, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. We have a shortened week this week. Yesterday, the market was closed for the Martin Luther King holiday. So we have Tuesday through Friday of this week. Where are we? That's what we're going to figure out in this video, where we are, where we're going, what the next likely scenario is. We're going to take a look at a lot of different charts. We're going to take a look around the horn at a lot of different markets. And then we're going to talk about some things that we don't normally talk about. We're going to take a shot at a couple of things that we don't normally look at. Where do we start? We start with the big picture and we work our way downward. What is the big picture? The market's in an uptrend. We're basically at all-time highs. We're just a fraction off the all-time highs. So we're just saying we're high on the chart. Yes, we're overextended, but there's no measurement for overextended or overbought. All those type of technical terms that you hear really aren't technical terms because they're immeasurable. So what do we do with that? We do a couple of things. We watch the market for any kind of change in character, trend change, all those things that we discuss on an ongoing basis, things that are taught in the Lazy E-Mini Trader course. What we also do is we respect the trend. Now, I know what a lot of you are asking is, hey, this was the week that we're looking for a turn. Was this it? The market's down a few points. Is this the turn or is this the beginning of the turn? Well, when we look at other charts, which we will in a moment, we're going to start looking from a shorter term perspective what the market is telling us. Whether or not we see a turn is one thing. All turns have to start somewhere. Where they generally start is small and morph into something different. We're still going to be aware of both sides of the market. Keep in mind, there's a lot of people all of a sudden looking for a turn, looking for a top. That gets me nervous. It's like when all those people start talking about, look at that head and shoulders pattern. All of a sudden, the head and shoulders pattern doesn't work. It's like when you're on the putting green, you hit a putt, it's 10, 12 feet, it's rolling right in the middle of the hole. Another guy on the green says, nice putt, just as it's about to go in the hole until it veers off to the right. That's called a mush. We don't want to mush the market. What we want to do is understand what it's doing. If it's going to go higher, and instead of going lower, as the cycle would dictate, that same energy would then be released in the northern direction. What would that look like? It would look like a blow-off top, a further melt-up, many more points to be had. We don't know that's going to happen. However, the longer they stay up in these woods, the more likely they are simply eating time off the clock, allowing the moving averages continue to move up along time and price, essentially pushing the trend higher. That's what's been happening for quite a while. So net-net, this is the time zone we're on the lookout. Doesn't mean we front-run. Proper thing to do when we run this as a business is to wait for a sign and a signal of a trend change. Therefore, you have something to trade against knowing where you're wrong, and hopefully where you're wrong is generally small and fast. 
That's the objective. That's the goal. That's how we treat this as a business. So what's the daily chart telling us? Nothing. Let's move on. How about the 240-minute chart? Is it telling us anything different than the daily chart? No, it's basically just going sideways, eating a little time off the clock, well above its moving averages. So we know something there. Again, with the daily chart and the 240, we know that the farther away we are from home base, what's home base? The 20-period moving average. The farther we are away from home base, the more likely the market is to either go sideways or try and come back to home base. What they want to do is they want to meet in the middle or they want to meet at home base some way, somehow. Who's they? The market. Price wants to meet up at home base, the 20-period moving average. What's going on on the 120-minute chart, the two-hour chart? It's just running sideways. It being price is just running sideways, closer to the moving average, so the moving average isn't that big of an issue, meaning we're not extended away, so we're not thinking that price has to come back to home base in this case, It's just running sideways. That's the duck on the screen. If something else happens, that's from a different chart for a different reason. When we look at this chart, the first thing that comes to mind is it's in an uptrend. The second thing that comes to mind is it's going sideways of late, which is essentially another flaggish type of bullish pattern. Capiche? All right, let's move it along. How about the hourly chart? What's going on here? Couple of things jump off. We're testing the 20-period moving average. They've tested it for three hours in a row. What does that mean? That means they haven't really bounced away quickly from it, so they're riding the 20-period moving average. The longer they ride it, the more likely price is to go below the 20-period moving average. That's the read on the hourly chart. However, the net-net is, the duck is, still in an uptrend above all the moving averages, So there's a read within the read. Similar, I guess, to picture within picture. Now we go down to a shorter duration chart, an intraday. For this case, we're using a 15-minute chart. What does that look like? It looks like price is making a bearish pattern below some moving averages. So let's just draw that out. What is he talking about? So we have a down move, and we have one of these bearish, wedgish patterns that stays below the 20 and the 50 period moving average under normal garden variety market conditions, what's going to happen with this? It's going to go down here in a continuation move toward the 100 period moving average. Where does that put price right around the 100? Somewhere in that neighborhood. Just below that, does that look like a former breakout area? The answer is yes, it does. So it makes sense that price would want to pay a visit to a former breakout area. Where have you ever heard that before? Take notice of how we started from a daily chart, worked our way all the way down to a 15-minute chart, identified a spot, and now watch what we're going to do. I'm going to stretch it a little bit, and I'm going to say 3.30 is an important number. Why is that important? Because it's a big, fat, round number. It's well below the 100-period moving average, but remember... Price just rode underneath these moving averages, but it also rode on top of the 100. So the longer it rode or will ride on top of the 100 period moving average, the less likely it is to stop at the 100 period moving average. Maybe it goes slightly below. We don't know that for a fact, but what we do know is 
that price does like to come down and visit a former breakout area. Conversely, it likes to do the same thing on the other side. It likes to go back and visit a former breakdown area. In this case, we've identified a big fat round number also coinciding with a former breakout area. So let's go to another chart and see what it looks like. No surprise here on the hourly chart. You can see prices slicing right through or the horizontal trend line is slicing right through that former breakout area. Now, within pennies, maybe it's slightly above or below 330, but in that general zone, there should be, from at least an intraday perspective, an assemblance of support. We go to the 120-minute chart, and all of a sudden, it's going to meet or close to the 20-period moving average on the two-hour chart. Isn't that interesting? Now, tomorrow, being Wednesday, that 20-period moving average will be slightly higher. It will likely be right on top of the trend line we just drew at 3.30. So you can see how the storyline begins to come together. It's why I call it a puzzle. These are all puzzle pieces. We put them on the table together, and once the picture becomes available, we can see with a reasonable degree of logic what's likely to happen. Short hop right over to the IWM. Let's see what's going on here. A couple of interesting developments in the IWM. What jumps out at me on the chart is the high that was made on Friday and the semi-crap out finishing poorly, not on the lows, but certainly a poor close. Next up, the IWM finds itself filling a gap, but not necessarily trading away back in the northern direction with any, shall we say, gusto. Here's a 15-minute chart. Here's your gap, which is the horizontal trend line. There's your hit of the gap. There's your trade away. And then there's the classic retest. So that's not necessarily bullish ending the day, hanging down around the gap. That being the case, and we go back to the daily chart, you'll notice the IWM was down about 9 tenths of 1%. That was leading the S&P 500 which was only down about two-tenths of 1%. We all know that the IWM happens to be my favorite market-leading indicator. Daily chart looks different. Hanging around the highs in the SPY, you go over to the IWM. We made a high, crapped out on Friday, filled the gap today, hanging around down at the gap, which is also very close to a breakout area. How do we know that? Well, let's get rid of this line and let's discuss what a breakout area is. There's several flavors of breakout areas. I'm going to give you another one. Over here, leading up to the 27th of December, the market rallies up and is rejected from that point. So we had a decent pullback after the rejection. Once we rallied back to that point, you can see what happened, and we talk about this all the time. When a market has trouble trading through an area it tends to gap above or below said area. That's exactly what we saw here. So we know that that's a breakout area because the market ran up to it and was rejected. When we got back to it, it was overhead resistance, at least temporarily. And then what happened? The market got above it. It got above the former breakout area. And what did we do today? We came down to fill the gap, which is just slightly above said former breakout area. Some of this stuff to some of you that have been around a long time may sound like a broken record, but that's the good news. 
The reason it sounds like a broken record is because the same stuff happens over and over and over again. And when you learn and train your eye and your mind to identify, spot, understand, and then take action on these things that happen over and over and over again, that's how money is made. That's how this becomes a business. Where does it start? It starts with understanding the foundation of how markets work. Where do you do that? You do that in the same place I tell you all the time. In the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. It is what it is. Short hop. Pre-market morning notes inside the numbers. There's a method to the madness. I want you to see the notes. I want you to read the notes. I'm not going to read them to you. I'm going to scroll like I generally do. But I want you to read them because we had the schematic lock stock and barrel no matter which way the market was going we had the support we had the resistance all day long i'll scroll down to finish the pre-market morning notes we are going to take a look at stocks on the move but let me get through the commentary that happened throughout the trading day for inside the numbers members i'm scrolling up i'm wasting time i'm eating time off the clock so you can pause the video read it at your leisure And then you can see what the market did. You can go either to the ES contract, which is the S&P E-mini futures contract, or you can use the SPY. Either way, it's the same market. You're going to see the same thing. Here is stocks on the move. We had two stocks hit their price targets today. It's earnings season. They're coming fast and furious. This is just the beginning. The list will be long each and every day. My job is to select the best opportunities on the board. But let's focus on two of them, HTHT, which is the first one on the board, and then go down to the second one from the bottom, TCOM. And you'll notice percent from entry. Finishing the day up, 5% from entry, TCOM. We got one of those all-day suckers out of it. Since you mentioned it, Here it is. It's Trip.com. We had a nice rocket ride on Trip.com. You can see what happened. Here's Friday's close. $38.94. Checked in for a haircut first thing in the morning. Identified a level of $34 even. Could have been slightly lower. The stock went slightly lower. Down by about 50 cents. But then look what happened. Took off like a rocket ride. Grinding higher all day long. Finishing the day up about $2 from the entry price, no heat on the trade. Nice way to start the week. Let's not leave out HTHT. I won't begin to try and pronounce the company. Do I know what they do? No. Do I care what they do? No. The numbers are all that matter. $34.85 after getting its haircut at the opening bell. Within an hour, $35.65. You see this candle here, high 3564, pardon me, classified as a base hit. We'll take a base hit at a HTHT and take the ground rule double out of TCOM. Back in our lane, taking a look down at the transportation department, what we have here is a market that really got walloped today. And here was the storyline. You have this coronavirus thing floating around, the transportation stocks, airlines, crews, hotels, tourism getting a whack in and among tourism is the transportation department net net still above all the moving averages but certainly qualifies as a puzzle piece 
is my second favorite market leading indicator and regardless of whatever the reason is can't be unnoticed down 1.8%. So we had my two favorite market leading indicators down and as you would imagine they're puzzle pieces they're on the table. What's going on out in Silicon Valley in the queues? Well they didn't really budge so we have nothing to discuss. They're overextended, they're high on the chart, they're in la-la land. Speaking of la-la land, Apple. Now, I'm not saying it's not going higher. I'm not saying it shouldn't be up here. All I'm saying is, what I said before is, Apple's not a stock you want to step in front of like a freight train. It's going higher. It's in an uptrend. We've been saying that before and long before it got to 300 here's the daily chart still grinding higher it will come down when the market comes down until and unless the market comes down it and a lot of other stocks are driving the cues the technology sector higher how about google another trillion dollar company these are the names we know these are the fan favorites if you own a mutual fund a 401k are involved in a pension fund. You own these stocks in one way, shape, or form. When everybody runs for the exits, look out below. But while everybody's excited and they're still the hot dot, they still drive the market higher. Until and unless that point in time when we see a reversal, everything will reverse. Until then, the trend is your friend until what? Until it's over. Remember the XLF? Where did we close the week in the XLF last week? What was Friday's close? 31.03 against a $30.98 important number. Now, it's a monthly number, so we're watching it for the January close. But now we're getting very close. We're within nine days of the January close. Will it be a photo finish? Will this bullish pattern continue and have another leg higher or will it fail and will that same energy be sent through the trap door in the southern direction how about the smh which is a pretty darn good proxy for the tech space do we get any information from the smh today not really it's basically flat it's in an uptrend there's nothing to report they made a new high today big deal no trouble to report But there's nothing more bullish than it was, for example, the prior trading day. How about the talk of the town, Beyond Meat? Where is this stock going? Where is the next major area of overhead resistance? Where can traders ride this thing to if they're long Beyond Meat? Yours truly is not a participant here. I do get a lot of questions about a variety of stocks. This one came in lately, so I figured I'd cover Beyond Meat. 153 is my answer. Would I tell you to ride it up there? No. Can you ride it up there? Potentially. 153 is where I believe the next major area of overhead resistance is for Beyond Meat. I'm not telling you to buy it. I'm not telling you to short it. I'm just answering the question as it came in. And with that, folks, we're going to pull the ripcord, but before we do, I want to thank each and every one of you and tell you how much I appreciate each and every one of you. Without you, these videos are not possible, and for that, I'm grateful. I'm David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. 
My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis. Music